1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
2: Back and better than ever, Greeny rolling along our number two ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Always on social at ESPN Greeny, Twitter, Instagram and threads. I'm still not used to saying X. I'm not ever going to say X. Maybe there'll come a time in my life when I'll say X. But it's going to be a long time before I'm comfortable saying that. Uh, mama called him Twitter. I'm going to call him Twitter. Right. The old uh, Eddie Murphy. I, I, I'm just never going to get used to that. We'll hear, um, I got called out, I think, by one of my closest friends in the business. So we'll hear that in a minute. But earlier today, you told me that, that it's getting a lot of attention on social is the sort of rant I went on about the Bears. We're going to have Mark Silverman live in about 20 minutes from Chicago, our buddy Sylvie from ESPN 1000, who knows the Bears organization backwards and forwards. And, and so we will dive deeply into that in about 20 minutes. I, I will just preface it by saying it is my overwhelming belief that the truest of truisms is – Organizations win championships, not players, because you can't put together the right players and put the right pieces in the right places if the organization is incompetent. If the organization doesn't have the right people in the right positions, you never wind up with the right players in the right places, and that's what's going on. Justin Fields is a player in the wrong place, and unfortunately, at the wrong time, And it may wind up costing him his career. That's the reason that I'm willing to absolve him of doing what everyone knows he shouldn't do, which is apparently seem to throw his coaching staff under the bus. I I, I fully understand why he shouldn't do that. But I also think that when it's your career on the line, I understand why. Look, in action, let's make a comparison to what Mike McCarthy did. Mike McCarthy heard himself getting blamed 8 million different ways for the Cowboys' failure to get deeper in the playoffs the last couple of years than they should. He probably recognized his coaching career was on the line. He didn't hold a press conference and say, Kellen Moore is the reason I'm losing. But he did say, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down my way. And he fired Kellen Moore. He talked the owner into firing Kellen Moore. He's taken over the reins. So far, so good through two weeks. We'll see where it goes. Justin Fields doesn't have the authority to say that, but on some level, it's the same thing. He can't get the coach fired, but he can say, in a moment of weakness and frustration, guys, this isn't my fault, or at least it isn't only my fault.
3: Yeah, it almost kind of felt like a a cry for help, whether it was intentional or otherwise. And I'm all on board with all of the people on TV that played football or analyzed football or whatever that say there are just certain things that quarterbacks shouldn't say. And this is one of those things. But to me, that's much less interesting than the actual story here. Like what Justin Fields said, maybe in a moment of weakness yesterday, is the tip of the iceberg. Like it's just, I would say, I, I don't know, more than anything else, just demonstrative of where they are as an organization. And perhaps the fact that he humiliated his coaches publicly, again, intentionally or otherwise, maybe this could be a potential turning point for them because now like this is now such focus. This would be the center of attention. And so maybe it won't be the worst thing
2: in the world that had happened. Well, we'll see. I look up on my screen here and I see that Chris Canty on our morning show on Sportsmanlike said that Justin's comments were a cop out. Go ahead, Cam, hit that. I
1: stopped short of trying to defend Justin Fields when Justin Fields airs out the dirty laundry in front of the media. That Bingo. What he did yesterday, the first time he addressed the media, you just can't do that. And you can't set your head coach up like that knowing that he's talking to the media 20 minutes later. The fact that he was out there saying that he's playing robotic and it's because of the things that the coaching staff is putting in his head is a complete cop-out and it's unbecoming of a quarterback that is deemed a franchise guy.
2: So I don't actually disagree with that. I get it. I'm not. What What is the line from um, from Julius Caesar? I, I'm not here to praise. I'm, I'm not here to bury Caesar. I'm here to praise him. Like, I'm not here to praise Justin Fields. I'm just not here to bury him. I get he shouldn't have said it. I fully understand that. It doesn't actually help. It probably makes. No, not probably. It definitively makes a bad situation worse. I come I'm, to bury Caesar not to praise him. I come to bury Caesar not to praise him. In this particular case, I don't come to do either with Justin Fields. He's getting buried. No one is praising him. And what I'm saying is, I understand. I understand his frustration and how, in this case, it seems to have gotten the better of him. Anyway, there are a mass Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. The program comes to you every morning live above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17.
4: This is a perfect opportunity for you to try some active listening.
2: Unsolicited advice. All right, so I got called out. So let's see what this is here. So um my unsolicited advice the other day was as follows. Zach Wilson is going to be starting at home against New England this weekend. It's his first home start of this season. And the the only other home game that they've had this year, the entire crowd was just in a state of absolute shock from four plays in after what happened to Aaron Rodgers. This is a game that I think the Jets' entire season rides on, because Zach Wilson is a player. Their entire season rides on. I want them to get Kirk Cousins. It's not going to happen. It's certainly not going to happen soon, and it won't make any difference if they don't have if they don't win some games along the way. There's no point in trading for Kirk Cousins if the Jets are one and five. So this game means everything. And what I said on this air, just so we we have the context of what. Don was critical of what I said is if he goes out there and early in the game, he throws a bad pick or something like that. I'm very worried. The crowd is going to start booing like crazy because they hate him. And I understand it. But at the end of the day, I think there is such fragility there. I think the situation is so fragile that I, I think the fans need to take that into account before they react vocally. That was my reaction. I understand the gut reaction of wanting to boo him out of the building because he was the second pick in the draft, and there's been nothing about him to like. But just so we understand what the context was, what I said was, if that game starts badly and the fans fans start booing and Belichick smells blood in the water, I could see that thing unraveling. So that was what I said. Don LaGreca uh, apparently disagreed. He's a longtime friend of mine on 98.7 ESPN Radio New York. He's on Michael K. show. They've been doing it forever. I've known Don forever. He has disagreed with me on many occasions. And apparently he disagrees with me again. He was
5: the second overall pick. They've done nothing with him. They don't like him. So if he goes out there and throws a pick, they're going to boo him off the field. It's completely unrealistic to think otherwise. This is not Nebraska. You know, give it the old college try. Let's all get behind him and let's cheer for him. It's great in theory, and it's probably something that would work. But it's not going to happen because fans pay through the nose. They despise this guy. Their season in their eyes ended back on September 11th when their quarterback got hurt and they're not all of a sudden going to try to become his spirit animal during the course of the game and then the leader of that cheering squad is mike greenberg and right. he just told his audience which is pretty expansive he can't play so you're trying to tell an educated fan base to cheer and encourage a quarterback that doesn't belong
2: in the league good luck though well, he's right i don't think he was really uh, i mean disagreeing is the wrong word I think Don understands what I'm saying, and I agree with him. It's not going to happen. That's what, what's not going to happen is what I'm saying would be the best thing. But uh, we should probably give Don a call or something. But but here's the the point I would make is one of the responsibilities. No, there's no responsibility. A fan has no responsibility. A fan's only responsibility is to themselves. You, you pay your money, and you should you should react any way you see fit. What I'm saying is. If, as a fan, your goal is to try as hard as you can to help your team win, fans have ways they do that. You make a lot of noise when the other team has the ball and they're at the line of scrimmage. You don't make a lot of noise when your team has the ball is at the line of scrimmage. There are various ways, not huge, but ways that fans can have an impact on the game. And what I'm saying is, it is my belief from a distance that Zach Wilson is fragile enough and not only him, but that all of the strings the threads that are holding it together right now are so fragile that the fan reaction could have an impact on that now I hope they don't put him in a position to throw three picks I hope they are trying to do creative things run with the football count on your defense to win this game the Jets are not beating the Patriots 27 to 26 they don't need to score 27 points to win this game The Jets have to win this game with their defense being the dominant unit that they themselves say they should be and win the game 13-10. That's how you win it. You win it by kicking the ball at the end of every drive, and punting is just fine. You punt the ball and you bury Mac Jones back in his own territory. I'll bet on my defense all day long. The way the Jets lose this game in a hurry is if Wilson throws a bunch of picks and all of a sudden Mac Jones has a short field and now it's 17 nothing and the Jets have to get desperate, that's how you lose. So candidly, if the coaching staff puts him in a position where he can do that, then that's probably their fault. But I stand by what I said. I think if the crowd is booing Zach Wilson, I think it has an adverse impact on him and on the team in the game.
3: Yeah. Uh, I think I'm an expert to opine on this because uh, I'm a a Philadelphia sports fan. Right. And thus, there is nothing I enjoy doing more than booing my own, with rare exception. But let me provide you one exception. Mm -hmm. So in the offseason, this past offseason, the Phillies signed Trey Turner to a $300 million contract Mm -hmm. with much fanfare. And for the first four months that Trey Turner played for the Phillies, he was god-awful. He was hitting two thirty five through his first 107 games. He was one of the worst players in baseball. On August 4th, on a Friday night when they were playing Kansas City at home, it started out on Sports Talk Radio, and they just collectively decided, we're going to give Trey Turner a standing ovation every time he comes to the plate. He's played 40 games since then. In those 40 games, he's hit three fifty four with 16 home runs and 40 RBIs. What does that tell me? it tells me it was all mental. Because Trey Turner is a great baseball player. A baseball player who warranted a $300 million contract, but a baseball player who was just not there mentally. He took out billboards to thank the city. It became a, a local sensation, a success story. Now, I don't think Zach Wilson is the same talent that Trey Turner is, but psychologically, might that have the same effect on him? Sure. Do I think fans have an obligation to not boo? Of course not. Of course not. But in this particular case, might it go a long way? Absolutely.
2: Uh, That's that's a terrific story. And I'm glad you told it in this context, because it is perfect. Now, the skeptic among us could say, well, the law of average is also just caught up here. But it cannot be fully coincidental that it all hinged that quickly. In one way or another, it turns into a great story. Now, look, there are a lot of questions. What did I say about organizations? We're going to rip apart the Bears organization today in Chicago. The Jets organization did everything right with regard to Aaron Rodgers and everything they did this offseason. But it cannot be overlooked that the reason they had to do it was because they took Zach Wilson with the second pick in the draft. And he's not just bad. He's way worse than bad. We've seen bad picks before. Sam Darnold was bad as a Jet, but he looked like an NFL quarterback. Zach Wilson has not. Now, maybe that changes someday. I hope against hope that it does. I don't know at the end of the day that booing or cheering is going to make any difference. So we'll just see. I I believe that this is maybe the thing that makes me the most nervous is that I think the Jets are going to win the game. I really do because of the formula I just gave you. I think this is a Dalvin Cook defensive line game. I think they got to get all over Mac Jones. I, I think they got to give absolutely nothing up to that offense, which I could see them doing. I could see the Jets if that, G, that that Jet defense is as good as they themselves say they are. This is a game in which they should not give up two touchdowns. Should not. I'm willing to give them a pass on getting shredded by Dallas last week. That was a a psychological minefield they ran into i'm gonna put you on the record
3: i'm gonna say right now you name your score how many points must the Jets score to win the game
2: well i'll I'll answer it differently if they have to score 20 they won't If, if, if if the patriots score 20 points in this game that's an affront how many points have the patriots scored in their two games so far this year
3: they actually played Pretty well against Philly in the second half. I'll pull pull up the... 20. They they scored 20 in the first game and 17
2: against Miami. So we're supposed to be an elite defense. We're we're the 85 Bears. Remember? I heard it. I heard them say 85 Bears. The 85 Bears would not give up 20 points to Mac Jones. It's that simple. So the Jets should be able to win this game with 20 points. That, that's how I'll answer your question.
3: Zach, uh, Zach Wilson could also be responsible for se- seven of those points. So. No, th- <laughs> th- if so,
2: then that's on him and it's on the coaches for letting it happen. We'll see. In the meantime, we'll go live to Chicago, the scene of the, the dumpster fire next on ESPN Radio. Brainstorm, what is something that works so well that it's basically magic? Air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, meeting-free Fridays? What about selling with Shopify. grow grow with shopify sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash greenie all lowercase go to shopify.com slash greenie now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash greenie Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's dot com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's dot com slash gift finder.
1: Greeny, the podcast.
2: Greeny with you on ESPN radio presented by Progressive Insurance. I don't want to take up any of Sylvie's time, but I have a bit of a bone to pick with Cam. Like, I understand playing this song today because today is the 21st day of September and that is a big deal. I even understand playing it once in each hour of our show. But Cam has literally come out of every break with this song today. I mean, Cam, we get it. It's the 21st day of September. But that does not mean we need to play it literally out of every. We come out of eight breaks in the show. You've played this song every time. It's a good one. It is a great one. I love Earth, Wind, and Fire. I love the song. And again, I fully get it. Everyone is walking up to each other today and saying, do you remember? Because it is the 21st day of September. But there is a moment in time in which one just wants to say, we get it. You're saying the horse has been beat. The horse is out of the barn. You are, it is, it is, it's enough. The horse is dead. Is what I'm trying to say. Okay. That said, a moment of levity before we dive into this. So there's been a lot of conversation here about the kind of dysfunctional day that sports franchises don't usually have. Yesterday was one of those days. There was about an hour and a half stretch where I got a new alert to my phone about something terrible happening to the Bears. It felt like every 10 minutes. So we thought, let's get right to it. So our station in Chicago, ESPN 1000, is the home of Chicago Bears football. And our buddy Mark Silverman, who's been hosting Waddle and Sylvie forever afternoons on the station, also does the pre and post game. So no one is as close to the Bears situation as Sylvie is. And he's the perfect person to bring in to get to the bottom of this. So, Sylvie, welcome back. I appreciate it.
0: I appreciate you, Greeny. It's funny because um, I was watching you on Get Up today and I was racking my brain Like you, I've worked for ESPN for a lot of years. I've worked at ESPN 1000 for 25 years. The very first time you and Golick had me on your show was at the Super Bowl in Atlanta, the really cold Super Bowl. I Mm -hmm. think it was in like 99 or something Mm -hmm. like that. And it was because Jim Miller, the Bears quarterback, was suspended for PED use. Mm -hmm. And I think the only times you have ever had me on through Mike and Mike and now through Greeny, are because of bad bear stories. <laughs> like Mike Reese in Boston, he comes on all the time to talk about great Patriot stories. You only bring. You only bring Sylvie on to talk about the really bad bear story. So here I am again.
2: That's probably true. But what happens is, is when something good happens with the bears, Waddle says yes. That's what happens. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's exactly. the difference. Let's get Sylvie on now. We, get, yeah. we, we
2: call up. We're like, get me Waddle or Sylvie. And it's always when it's good news, it's always Waddle. And when it's bad news, it's always Sylvie. All right. So let, let's get to it here. So look, you were on with us a couple of weeks ago. And and I just want to refresh the audience's recollection. Before the season even began, or well, maybe it was after week one, well, either way, we were talking about how much of the fault for how badly Justin Fields has been playing rests with him. Now everything seems to have been laid completely bare. You were very much one on the side of Justin has to take a great deal of the blame here. I'm now looking at a team that has called five designed runs for Justin Fields in two football games, which does not, to me, is is the opposite of coaching to the strength of your player, and it feels to me like there are a lot of other things going on here beyond the quarterback. So you've heard what I think. I'm just going to give you the floor. What is your take on all the things we've seen happen with the quarterback?
0: Yeah, I, I, there's a lot here, as there always is, Greeny. Um, you have to play the quarterback position from the pocket eventually. The way the Bears are going to get there, it was like quitting smoking cold turkey or giving up anything cold turkey. They went from Justin Fields running the football and doing a lot of the things that he likes and was successful on doing last year into doing nothing that he did well last year and trying to force him to play strictly from the pocket. And that's probably a recipe from the that's a recipe for disaster. Like we said last week, and like Hembo has been saying, open is open in the NFL. When you have five seconds in the pocket and DJ Moore is clapping himself open, or Darnell Mooney is wide open, or there's a back for a 20-yard gain, and you're wide open in the pocket, and you're getting sacked because you're taking five seconds, that's still on you. But Luke Getzey has plenty of blame in all of this. And you had a really good rant today on Get Up, and it's something that I call the circle of suck. And <laughs> it, 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 the Bears have always set their guys up to fail. We could get into that a little bit more, but they have never paired the quarterback up with the guys who have drafted them. They let Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace draft Justin Fields when they knew they were going to fire them. They drafted Mitch Trubisky and they never told John Fox that they were going to draft Mitch Trubisky. And they're like, Hey Foxy go out and develop Mitch Trubisky now. And John Fox was turned off by that. And you think it worked out well when Mitch Trubisky was developed in the first year? Hell no. So was Mitch ever the solution? Probably not. Did they screw him up in his first year of development? Yes. Because they set him up to fail so both can be true with the Chicago Bears it's been that way for a while and it's the exact reason why they're chasing a quarterback since Sid Luckman
2: is is it salvageable they're probably going to the worst possible place this weekend which is at Kansas City um, but sometimes who is it that made the point might have been D Wood made the point that these are circumstances that sometimes will gavelize a group if they really are together If they really do, despite what's been said and despite how bad it's looked, if they really do believe in each other, if they really do believe in their coaches, that maybe this is the kind of thing that galvanizes them and they come out and they play a surprisingly good game. Let's not even live in a world where they have to win to do that. If if they make this a competitive game, we'll all know it if we see it. That could be a pretty big statement. Do you see that happening? I don't.
0: Um, Anything is possible. They can make me eat my words. But let's talk about the alerts that you were getting yesterday on your phone, Greeny. Yeah. Uh, in itself, when a Bears team was struggling and the quarterback is struggling and the offensive coordinator has sucked, as we played your soundbite like from a couple of weeks ago, the Bears offense sucked. <laughs> so the quarterback has sucked and the offensive coordinator has sucked. Uh, in itself, losing your left tackle yesterday in itself would have been a disastrous story just alone, and then the Bears defensive coordinator resigns after calling just one game on on itself this season where the the head coach is struggling for his job after losing 12 straight games dating back to last year. They haven't won a football game since that Monday night game we all saw where was the Justin Fields coming out party against the New England Patriots. So they haven't won in 12 straight games. They lose their left tackle. Their defensive coordinator resigns. The quarterback thinks he's being overcoached at this point. Does that sound salvageable to you? You guys love to make these big play bets. You like to make the long shot uh, Parsons bet. Would you put any of your hard-earned money on the Bears turning it around?
2: What is the number this week, Kemba? Right now, what is the number on that game? Uh, Twelve and a half. I mean, to be a twelve and a half point underdog of the National Football League is... It's hard to do. We don't see it very often. No, I mean the answer to your question, Sylvie, is absolutely not. I could see them losing this game forty to three. What I'm saying is, mm-hmm. I, I think the Giants are going to lose tonight forty to three. That's just a number I'm making up but, randomly. But the Bears are getting two more <laughs>
3: points than the Giants. That's right. how dire it is.
2: Well, they're playing. Well, I was about to say they're playing a better team, but maybe they're not. San Francisco might be as good as anybody there is in the league. No. So what you're telling me does our does our what does our football power index say? What do our Does our Football Power Index, our analytics, think the Bears are the worst team in the NFL? No, they still say Arizona. It's worse than the Bears. Here's my question, Sylvie. Why hasn't it gotten a little bit better? I know they don't have great players, but they did add DJ Moore. They did address the offensive line in the draft. It was almost unimaginable the offensive line could be worse than it was. They should, in theory, have better players. Justin Fields is in his second season in a system as opposed to his first, something that hadn't happened to him since he was in college. It had appeared to be on the upswing for the second half of last season, despite the fact that they were losing games at the rate that they were why has it gotten worse rather than better
0: i'll give you the simplest answer oftentimes the simplest answer is the best justin Fields isn't better so what whether it's you're a dan Orlovsky guy and you believe it's all because of getsy or mostly because of getsy and it's the bears bad game plan or you're more of a hembo guy and it's because he's not finding the guys who are wide open that most nfl quarterbacks should get the football to we were banking on justin fields with the addition of dj moore with the addition of darnell Wright at right tackle with the a little bit of a better defense with a better run game getting better justin fields hasn't been better and there are many reasons why but he's just not better he's probably worse than he was last year
2: it looks worse and and so one of the topics we've had here, Mark Silverman from ESPN One Thousand, our buddy Sylvie, uh, with us here from Chicago today on on this this complete mess that is the Bears. Mm-hmm. One of the questions we brought up: the the quarterback class of twenty twenty one. Five quarterbacks went in the first half of round one, and, and in order, it was Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Mac Jones. And we keep bringing up: is, is is Trevor Lawrence going to wind up being the only one who gets his fifth year option picked up? Does it? Feel, I'm not sure. I, I know that it's only two weeks into the season. I mean, there's so much time left before this decision gets made. But do most people in Chicago feel like that's it? Like the Fields thing is for all intents and purposes over. They have two first round picks next year, and and they're just going to be ready to move on.
0: Leaning that way, um, it's very scary. I, I, like I can't even i got to paint this picture for you, Greeny. So it's September 10th. Um, We're sitting at gate zero of Soldier Field. We've got this glorious new set. It's day one of ESPN 1000 and our first regular season Bears game that we've ever had as the home of the Bears. The Packers are in town. The Bears have lost, what, eight or nine in a row to the Packers. Um, And Aaron Rodgers is gone. It's the dawn of a new era for the radio station. It's the dawn of a new era for Bears football. We're thinking it's going to be a new offense. We're thinking Justin Fields is going to take a next step. We're going to reclaim the rivalry as Bears fans. It's like you uh, walking in to that Monday night football game with Aaron Rodgers. Um, It wasn't a new quarterback, but we were thinking this is a new day. This is the day we reclaim the rivalry finally after Brett Favre tortured us and after – um, Aaron Rodgers tortured us. He's finally in New York. And boom goes the dynamite, as the kid said. <laughs> and the Packers put it on us again. And Justin Fields throws his first pick six. And he fumbles the football again. And the Bears defensively were bad. And Jordan Love throws for three touchdowns. And we're like, uh-oh, this is really bad. And, 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 and we're now two games in. We're, we're talking about this. Greeny, think about this. Even by bare standards, with everything that has gone bad, um, I always joke on the show with Waddle that you guys on Get Up, on First Take, on on all the national shows, and, and this game is on Fox. Think about the torture that we're going through. We picked Mitch Trubisky over Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And now, once you know it, in the face of all these controversies, we're playing Patrick Mahomes in the Chiefs, and this is a nationally televised Fox game. That's torture for Bears fans. <laughs> so I always joke with, with Waddle. I'm like, you know, those days are done where Greeny and Stephen A. are making fun of us on national TV. I, I turn on Get Up this morning, and, and you blow out your first segment, and you do a 20-minute segment on the Bears making fun of us again. And it's not your fault. It's our fault because they think again. And we're two weeks in and we're talking about possibly Caleb Williams or we're talking about a new football coach next year. It is absolutely crazy that the Bears are in this position. So to go on and on and on with the answer, the answer is yes. People are starting to brainstorm about new quarterbacks. People are starting to brainstorm
2: about new head football coaches. Ah, it's a mess. Sylvie, thank you for always jumping in whenever bad things happen. As soon as there's more bad news in Chicago, we will definitely call you again.
0: <laughs> and, and I have a feeling you won't be talking to Waddle anytime soon. <laughs> we'll
2: you thank you, Sylvie. <laughs> Mark Silverman with us from Chicago. Waddle and Sylvie, they're a, a staple um, in Chicago now forever. And, and that, I mean it's the place to go when you want to get a finger on the pulse of what's going on. And it's just terrible. So you've got a real good sense of what's going on there now. We'll continue um, with some more football stuff and some KODs as we go. But I want to have a little fun. I need you to listen carefully. I just want you to know. We didn't spend enough time on this earlier. Let, let me get Cam and uh, Bubba back into this conversation because we, we didn't do this story justice. Hembo last night went to sleep at his usual time, 7 o'clock-ish. Because he wakes up at 3 o'clock. And his wife, Lizzie, who I know forever, wakes him up frantically in the middle of the night because there's an emergency. And Hembo is thinking, oh, my goodness, we have two little one-year-olds in the house. What emergency could possibly rise to this? It's got to it's chill your blood. And what did it turn out was the emergency? There was a cricket on our bedroom wall, a cricket on the wall. And it got me to thinking as a man of 26 years of marriage now, in most marriages, I have to assume in all marriages, there are some things that are your job and some things that are my job. Certainly in my marriage, there are some things Stace does and some things I do, and that's fine. What is it that rises to the level of, I need you to do this? Like what is an appropriate place for that, I'm curious to hear from Bubba and Cam as unmarried men, how they go about these things in their lives. So Stace is very big. I'll just give you an example. Stace is very big on me reaching out to people if plans need to be made. So if we're going to go see people for dinner, I'm, if, if, I'm making this up. If we're having dinner with you and Lizzie one night and I, we're going to make plans seven o'clock, she'll say, okay, Michael, you text them and tell them that we're doing that. And I'll say, you could just as easy." she's very big on me doing, I don't know why, mm but this is my job. But clearly she would never wake me up in the middle of the night to say, I need you to text Hembo and Lizzie to tell them what time dinner is next week. That does not rise to that level. What? Where is the line of delineation? Where is the, the line of demarcation? Bubba, in your view as an unmarried man, what would rise to the level of such an emergency that it is worth waking you up?
5: Yeah, I mean, I would say for, for an emergency, it's, it's got to be strictly we're talking life or death i think i i think if If it doesn't rise to that and especially knowing the the sleep schedule you're talking about someone went to bed at 7 p.m so not you know
1: you're talking about you're waking someone at 9 p.m they just went to bed at 7 we're talking about yeah intruder in the home house is on fire there's an something something is
5: drastically wrong so there's an issue someone is six there's a yeah. Something is really
2: wrong. Not that there's, uh, you know, a fly on the wall. A no insect. In the room. Yeah, Nothing no that insects. involves an insect. No. Yeah. How about a How about snake? A snake. A snake. Yes. An, anim- an animal in the house. I'll allow animal in the house. One night we had a I'll flying go, squirrel. Yes, animal in the, in the
0: house. house, I guess, is, 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 is we as we had a as flying
2: squirrel in, in my house in Connecticut. This is many years ago. Um and, and I, similar circumstance, I was asleep. Stace was not. You know what she did? Woke you up. No. Really? Who's gonna be of less help with a flying squirrel than me? I'm overwhelmingly a detriment. She called animal services or whatever it is. She let the dog out of the cage. That was when Phoebe that was how Phoebe first started sleeping in our room, actually. That's how long ago it is, because Phoebe's almost thirteen. So this is probably twelve years ago. There's a flying squirrel in the house. Stace sees it. She calls animal whatever it is. I absolutely nothing. I knew nothing of this until the following day. So
3: you woke up to this
2: news. You weren't you weren't woken by the I- i came to work i didn't know about it till the following day of work i i came and did mike and mike and on my drive home she said you're not going to believe what happened last night so your wife
3: let you sleep through a flying squirrel and mine didn't let me sleep through a cricket correct What does
2: that say about us? Well, on some level, I think it means that your wife thinks that you're capable of handling that situation. And my wife knows (laughs) that the last person on earth you need is me when that happens. Hembo has a stat on Justin Fields you're not going to believe, and you will hear it next on ESPN Radio. must be 21 plus and present in select states gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER terms and conditions apply see app for details
1: greenie the podcast
2: there you go cam much better changing up the musical selections a little bit here on espn radio greenie with you ryan poles the general manager of the bears has weighed in on the mess that's going on around his team we'll get to that in a second but first hembo you told me that you have that's going to blow my mind.
3: Yeah, I look at numbers all day, every day. And so very rarely do numbers like truly pop off my screen. But these do, and I just have to share them. So um, Sylvie was just talking about how Justin Fields hasn't gotten better. And one of the things that I've stressed on this show is that sacks are a quarterback stat, not an offensive line stat, and that Justin Fields is a really good quarterback to demonstrate that based on his lack of processing and his lack of tempo. It should come as no surprise then that over the last three years, his entire career, he's been sacked 101 times. He lead the NFL in sacks taken during that time even though he hasn't played every game. 101 sacks in 3 seasons. One of the narratives that we've often heard is that the Bears offensive line is not holding up for him and at least that is in part the reason why this is happening. So I pulled up our pass block win rate leaderboard. Very simply, how often does the offensive line win in pass protection? Very straightforward, we use the same way we evaluate all 32 teams the exact same way. I just want you to guess, Greeny, where over the last 3 years the Bears offensive line ranks.
2: Well, I, mean, I, I know based upon the way you're asking me the question that it's not going to be down near the bottom. I can't imagine it's going to be up near the top, so I'm going to guess that it's somewhere in the middle. So something like there are 32 teams. I'll say 16th. The answer is third.
3: The Chicago Bears rank third in pass protection over the last three years, during which time their quarterback has taken more sacks than any player in the NFL. That's a circle that I just can't square. We evaluate offensive lines across the board the exact same way. Right now, his offensive line grades about the same as Cleveland's and Green Bay's and Kansas City. And their quarterbacks haven't taken nearly as many sacks as Justin Fields has. In this particular case, the negative plays can be attributed to him and not them.
2: That's a... It's an exceptional stat, as you promised. You definitely delivered with that. And the only thing I'll say is that in itself is not just his fault. That that suggests a lack of coaching, a lack of preparation, a lack of development. If he's not prepared for that, it's not just because he's incapable of doing it. He was too good in college to be this bad in the pros. It doesn't mean he should be great. It's not on the coaches that he isn't great. It's on the coaches that he doesn't look ready. It just doesn't look like everything or anything is clicking. Ryan Poles talked to the media today. Keep in mind that he was a player. Maybe that helps his perspective. Let's hear it. Here's what Ryan Pulse said.
1: I can't be more clear than this. No one in our entire building, none of our coaches, see Justin as a finger pointer at all. He has always taken ownership of anything that's happened on the field. He takes it head on. He works. He grinds. He puts his head down. He works with his teammates, works with his coaches uh, to find solutions. In my opinion, you got a young quarterback trying to figure it out who hasn't had the cleanest start of his career, who last year with the roster, had to put a team on the back, do some unbelievable things athletically. Now he gets talent around him and has to figure out and balance when to do those cool things athletically, when to lean on others. And that is a sometimes a great place to live in. And that takes time. That takes time on task for him to take that next step. And everyone's on board helping him get into that place for him to be successful.
2: That's excellent. I mean, that's just an excellent answer. That's exactly what he should say. It doesn't mean that they'll get it figured out, but that is exactly what he should say. It's too late, though. It's already too late. Justin Fields has already
3: failed. The Bears are already building the on-ramp to their next quarterback. I agree. That's the right thing to say, but there is nothing that suggests any of that matters.
2: All right, let's do two things before we get done. I, 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 let, we'll see. The proof will be in the pudding on Sunday in Kansas City, and we'll find out. Two things I want to do.
1: Hashtag K-O-D. K-O-D the kiss of death
2: weekend kicks off tonight should be an absolute shellacking uh, this is one that I, I i expect to be in bed hoping that there are no crickets in my house by halftime tonight giants only getting ten and a half points at san francisco you're telling me the public is all over the 49ers i believe it i understand it and i agree with it i think they win this game and it's over early you
3: i agree i'm taking i'm I'm playing the, the Niners at minus ten and a half, and I feel good about it. I'm gonna I'm gonna get it now before that line continues to rise.
2: Bubba, Cam, either of you see it differently? I'm gonna take a backdoor cover. You're gonna take the backdoor cover. Cam's on the Giants tonight, Bubs. I I can't do it. I, I'm going 49ers. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm not confident. It's three picks in our direction <laughs> and one the other. Finally, there's something that happened here yesterday, and by here I mean at ESPN, that we did not get a chance to hear. We do this show. At the same time that in the studio across the hall, Stephen A and company are doing First Take. And every Wednesday, he's got our buddy Chris Russo, the Mad Dog, in there with him. And when I got out of here, but I don't get to see or hear any of it because we're live at the same time. So yesterday, when I was leaving, Marcus Spears pulled me aside and said, you're not going to believe what Mad Dog said on First Take today. And so I know what the subject matter is, but I haven't actually heard it. So let's hear this together. This is Mad Dog Russo yesterday on First Take, talking about how he plans to watch the Colorado-Oregon game this weekend. I get a run in. I take the two dogs, Bo and Riley, for a walk. At about 12 o'clock,
3: I sit down. I will make an early cocktail. With cut you? a gummy in half. We got Florida State Clemson
2: at about 325. When I'm sourced, I'm not driving in the house. I will put the call in to Fat Rob. Put... Ten dimes on Colorado and Dion. Let's win the game. So by 325, I'll be sitting down with my shorts, little T-shirt, cocktail. I'll have the other half a gummy. I will bet the ranch and I will rule crazy for the buff on Saturday. Half a gummy and then the other half of the gummy, says Mad Dog Russo. I am floored, floored. Never has the legalization of marijuana been more overwhelming than when Chris Russo is eating a half a gummy to watch Colorado play Oregon. Oh, my God. I heard that he had said that, but now that I hear it, it's all the more jarring. That's like finding out your parents were smoking pot when you were a kid. That can't be real. That can't be real. No way. It is. Did we doctor that? No. He's gonna cut a gummy in half, eat half of it at noon, and the other half right before kickoff. After he bets what, ten dimes, does that mean a hundred dollars? Ten
5: k. Yeah. 10 k. Ten thousand
2: dollars. Ten thousand dollars. He's gonna bet ten thousand oh, dollars on Colorado. Colorado? Yeah. It sounded like he was like reading a lyric off a sheet of paper. That, it, it did. It sounded like he was. You're exactly right. Like he was trying to be an actor and he was reading someone because, else's dialogue. From what I understand
3: when when Mad Dog gets high, he usually just watches old video of Mel Ott. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. This like this is this doesn't. I'm gonna eat all. half
2: a gummy, uh, and then we're gonna watch the 38 World Series. Uh, uh, Ducky Medwick. Uh, and and uh, That the, was 37. The, oh, the 37. I, I sometimes I get those backwards. That's why I'm half sauced. And I'm gonna put 10 dimes on the 47 Cardinals. I mean that that's what you expect from Mad Dog Russo. Oh, that's priceless, and a good way to end it. Fun day today. We'll see you tomorrow.